0: All right, we're going to start right by opening the Bible, 1 Kings 19.3. Okay, starting at verse 3. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. He said, I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. And Now we'll go to Exodus 3.10. So this is uh, Moses having a conversation with God that he saw in this burning bush. So then... God says, so now go. God gave him instructions, said what was going to happen. And he says, now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. In verse 11, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? So we're going to skip on down to four one. So, I mean, God answered him, and then Moses answered again and said, What if they don't believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? And God answers that. And if we go down to verse 10, Moses said again, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since. You have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. So God answers that. And then Moses has one more reply in 13. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. Now, if you've been in church at all, you would know that Elijah and Moses are the most famous people of the Old Testament, besides God. But when it came to humans, they were the most famous. Elijah was the most famous prophet, and Moses was the famous person that uh, helped to lead the children of Israel out of uh, Egypt and then brought the law from the top of the mountain from God, talked to God face to face. But something we see in these verses that you normally don't hear from is uh, we have something in common with them. They're human, right? And they had weakness. They had weaknesses. You know, usually when we teach from the Bible, we like to tell the exciting stories of accomplishments and victories, so then that inspires us to say, I can do that. I can be victorious, but a lot of the times it backfires and we say, they're awesome, they could do that. We don't think, yeah, I'm awesome, I could do that. We think they're awesome, they could do that. They're a Bible hero, so they're special. And we, don't, we don't understand that they're human just like us, that it was out of weakness that they were before God that He strengthened them and they did neat things. And if we're not careful, we do that with the same Christian leaders today. We do it with our people up here in our local church or the people that are, are on a more national scale or international. But the truth is God uses weak people to accomplish his mission on earth. Which is because that's the only kind of people there are. So we're continuing a sermon series right now that ends on Easter, which is next week. Surprise if you didn't realize that. Um, it's based on the song, All Things Rise. Uh, it's a beautiful song with deep meaning. I love singing it, and uh, we've, we've sung it in this church quite a bit. Today I have the pleasure of focusing on the words, all things once sown in weakness. You raise in promise, your beauty arches above it all. We'll really focus on all things once sown in weakness. So let's uh, look at a New Testament scripture, 1 Corinthians 1, 26. Which is, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter. This is a letter he wrote to the church in Corinth. So verse 26 starts, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. Now these These concepts of this weakness and God using that is kind of hard for us to really grasp. I think. I mean, we may say, "Yeah," on an intellectual level, just a quick, "Yeah, that makes sense. I see it." But on on a deep level of our core, of what we're taught in our culture, it's the opposite of that. Our our culture values appearance of strength, and have you know having it all together. That's number one. I was thinking about that this morning. You know, I'm preparing for this sermon. At the same time, I'm shaving really close and neat. <laughs> you know, I got to look neat. My hair, there's not a hair out of place, is it, Marie? And, you know, yeah, she'll tell me if the colic back here is showing off wrong, you know, or whatever. But we spend so much time on appearance because that's so important. And, and, and then the, the appearance of, look, I got my stuff together, And that creates this other thing called insecurity in us because we know we don't measure up to this impossible goal, right? So we're driven by this insecurity. It's difficult to overcome. And it teaches us some hard habits to break. But thankfully, our God is not bound by this system. (laughs) And according to the scripture I just read, he does the opposite just to exploit the ignorance of that system and its creator satan he just kind of makes fun of them by using the weak things he uses our weakness to accomplish his mission so let's go to second corinthians another the second letter paul wrote second corinthians verse 12 so i'm starting halfway into that that verse uh Verse 7 of uh, chapter 12. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh. This is Paul speaking. A messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. In verse 9, where it said perfect, you know, he said it's made perfect, that it can also be translated like complete. When it's talking about per- perfect from God, it's like it's made complete. So, it could be read, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made complete in weakness. So, God's power is made complete in our weaknesses. He can shine through us. Again, Paul's another famous uh, person in the Bible, He wrote a lot of the New Testament. He had a lot of accomplishments, and some would say he wasn't scared of sharing those. But look what he shared right there. He shared that there was something that he struggled with that he could not ever defeat, that he was too weak to defeat it. And he was thankful for that. I don't know about you, but I'm glad it's in there. (laughs) I'm glad the, the story with Elijah saying, please kill me, God, is in there. I'm glad Moses was like, oh, send someone else. Here I am, Lord, send someone else. And what you see Paul doing is embracing the truth. The truth is embracing our weakness connects us to God. It's an understanding of uh, dependence. As I figure out that I am weak and then I can be dependent on God, it connects me to God. It's like a key to open our heart and soul. It, the vulnerability is the beginning of uh, deeper in- intimacy. You know that if you're in a deep relationship, right, if you've been in any sort of long-term relationship, the very first part of your relationship, you're dating, and you're trying to put the best foot forward, because you're trying to impress them, because you're like, I think they're they're neat, I think. I mean, from what I'm seeing, they're neat, and I want them to think I'm neat. So that's all you do. Look how neat I am. I mean, you're trying to, you know, I, I told Marie the first time that I picked her up uh, in, the, in the car, I had might have done a couple push ups before, you know, just to when she saw my arms in the tank top I was wearing in the winter time in my i don 't know why but I was so she got a kick out of that, but it took fifteen years to tell her that secret that I had done a lot of working out that morning, so my muscles might have flexed a little while i 'm holding that car wheel, you know she 's like, "Whoa, and she liked it. She thought it was pretty hot. But clearly, my muscles are not flexed all day, every day. I, I'm not always working out. I mean, you can do that, but that's not my, the rest of my life's not like that. So she got to know me, and she talked about in a sermon, you know, a, a month ago about her not wanting to eat in front of me that first time we were together, you know, and me see that she's a human that eats food, and what if she chews weird, you know, uh, you know. and we're all like that. But if we're smart, if we're wise, we get over that with that person and we take that brave step forward and say, here's a little thing about me. It's kind of not perfect. And we're kind of, are they going to say, well, that's ugly, you know, stomp on me? Or are they going to be like, well, yeah, I have things like that too. And then it grows a deeper intimacy. And with God, it's the same way. But the joke is he knows. So I was trying to put the best foot forward. Look at me, God. Ta-da. See how shiny my teeth are and look how big my arms are, God. You know, I mean, he's. it's funny that we wouldn't come to him in weakness. But, but it's again, it's taught to us here. Our human nature is taught. That's how we're supposed to do. Look good. You know, if we embrace our weakness with God, and we, and, and we come to Him like that, He can show us places in our lives that uh, He can help us grow, right there. But as soon as we start to, sometimes we grow from that, we start becoming kind of confident, and it, it ends up where we're not vulnerable again, and then all of a sudden, the growth stops. I mean, that's where it stops. It stops where you stop being, here's my weakness, show me God. God. Matthew 14, in Matthew 14, it's kind of a cool story. It's actually the stories in all of the the four Gospels where an awful lot happened in the period of 24 hours or less where John the Baptist died, Jesus was trying to get alone. He then didn't get alone because the crowd came. He felt compassion. He healed all of them that needed healed and then he fed 5,000 and then he sent the disciples alone and said, hey, go over on the other side and I'll meet you there. He didn't have a boat. So what did he do? He walked on the water to meet them. Well, they were stuck in a storm so they were not progressing and then he walked on water towards them. Well, when they first saw him, they saw, ah, it's a ghost. I mean, they're freaking out. They've never seen that. You don't always see people walking on water, right? Once they figured out it was him, he was close enough, they could hear him. The conversation was working. You know, Jesus said, take courage. It's I. Don't be afraid. And then Peter, Peter's that guy. I think I'd be like that too, though. I'm kind of silly enough to try something. That uh, He said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out to you on the water. Jesus said, come. Then Peter got out. Walked on the water and came towards Jesus, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out, caught him, said, you have little faith, why did you doubt? But this reminds me of my Christian walk. Every, even if two minutes ago, I had never thought about walking on water. So that was Peter's state. He had never thought about walking on water before, right? Probably. Two minutes ago, all of a sudden he did. It's like after his first step, he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> he's just trotting out there, starting to walk on the water. And then, he, I mean, he lost the focus. This was all because my dependence on Jesus is why I'm able to walk on water. I stared at him, and I'm able to do it. But when he's like, la, 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 just kind of forgot, and all of a sudden he's distracted by other things, <whistles> By embracing the weakness, by embracing the knowing I need, I am dependent, you know, Peter was able to do that. Peter was able to walk on water. Embracing our weakness keeps our eyes focused on Jesus. Like I said, another way of saying it is embracing our dependence on God. I am weak and cannot walk on water by myself. So I'm dependent on God for that. But the worst thing is, what if I walk on water on Monday with Jesus, but the, on Tuesday I run into someone that's struggling financially, and they start telling me their story, and I, when I'm hearing their story, I start to hear the mistakes they're making. I hear them say something... You know, I know that they called in their first week of that new job, and I hear about them spending money on stuff that I'm thinking, oh, do you really need to spend money on that? And because I don't struggle with those particular issues, and I'm someone who walks on water, right, I really feel judgmental. Now, that's always risky to put that in a sermon because... Most of us have not walked on water, right? But can you can you take that leap to something else that you've accomplished with God or something else that is broken, is healed in your and how in that place we can suddenly judge someone else's stuff. It's funny. Our successes as tremendous Christians become our failures as followers of Jesus. Our greatest successes in personal growth can become our greatest failures in loving others. And that's why my third point embracing our weakness helps us love others. When we think we're strong, it makes others appear more weak and we judge them instead of loving them. You know, working in the mission has helped me see this more than anything. It's pretty funny. It's amazing how much advice I can uh, receive about working with the homeless from people that have never worked with the homeless. It's it's it's, it's a powerful thing to bring up if you ever want to hear, uh, hear this and just see this like on a neon sign. If you, you just want to see the funniest thing, just talk about working with the homeless with people that I never have, and they got a lot of advice for you from their vast experience of not being as broken because they have walked on water in some part of their Christian life, and now they're the expert. Well, I'll never forget uh, a few years ago, uh, I had just worked a 12-hour shift at my job, and then I went to the mission to, to go cook some dinner, got there in time to make some spaghetti, got it all ready, so I guess I'm setting that up to say I might have been a little bit tired, so I'm giving myself an excuse on the head <laughs> at a time for you guys to feel, okay, Vince, you're not as bad as... So anyway, so it comes time to serve the spaghetti, and I'm serving spaghetti, and one of the patrons that I know is like, do you have any Parmesan cheese? And I'm like, no, and they got cranky about not having Parmesan cheese. So I got a little pissy towards them. I was going to ask permission, can I say pissy? I said it (laughs) twice, so. In some places, I'd be in trouble. Yes, I was pissy. You know, who do they think they are? Don't they know beggars can't be choosers? I mean, this person's not satisfied. They're getting a free meal for me, and I just worked all these hours and come here. Well, the ironic thing about those questions I'm asking right like that are that when Marie and Marie ran the mission, uh, our goal was to make everyone feel like they're not a beggar, that they're like a part of a family and, you know, like a friend. And, you know, if, if you're invited to my house as family or friend, Ask Marie, I'm, I'm, I'm the craziest host where I buy every flavor of everything that you might have ever wanted. <laughs> what salad dressing would they like? Marie's like, you know, you could just get one of that. I was like, I'll get eight of them. It's fine. There's eight different. F- what if they want peppercorn ranch or what if they want the raspberry thing? You know, I don't know. And like eight bags of chips. She, there's like two people coming over. Vince, we don't need eight bags. But there's eight different flavors. You don't know. Cool Ranch maybe the one, and soda. I mean, oh my God, I don't know if they drink Diet or regular Mountain Dew. I need three diets, because some people are like, Pepsi, no, Diet Coke. <laughs> I mean, what if it's Diet Dr. Pepper? But what if they're like a Dr. Pepper and Mr. Pibb snob? So, you really need both of those. <laughs> and that's how I shop for people I care about, and I think is friend or family. Well, that's how I say I'm doing with the people in the mission. But clearly, I have crossed over a different thinking with them in that moment. Well, that particular person that was complaining, I knew a lot about their life. And I'd seen them make mistakes. And I had seen them make those job choices the first week of getting hired. And my kid has the sniffles I should stay home and call in sick the second day of work. You know, and I I, I had uh, just a pile that I could judge them on. Embracing my weakness, not my strengths, not my growth, embracing my weakness helps me love that other and not judge. And one thing Marie will preach to anyone that tries to invade their ideas into the mission It's like in that position of power, it's easy to see myself as strong, and it's easy to judge. And you got to purposely back off of that. And like, this person's facing someone with authority over them, with power of you can eat or not eat. How am I going to use that authority? Do I abuse it and say, how dare you? (laughs) Because some of my small successes... In this case, I mean, like I said, I'd seen them make poor decisions financially over that same year, and I didn't make those decisions that year. So I had good grounds to judge them. Right? But forgetting my weakness and dependence on God allowed my judgment to prevent me from showing God's love. You know, our goal of Christian maturity isn't to become a strong Christian, a tremendous man or woman of God. It's dependence. It's dependence with God, just dependence on God completely. And out of that place, out of that connection, being connected, then I can love and His power can go through me. That, that line, sown in weakness, that's the only way you can sow, <laughs> a kingdom thing. That's the only way to sow the kingdom of God. You can't sow the kingdom of God in power. It's in my weakness. God's power can go boom in Elijah with bringing fire down from heaven and wow. Not because he was powerful, it was sown in weakness. He's like, God, you know, do your thing. Whoosh. This is so important. This is a check every day. This is a check every day. There's a big difference between my me, me, me building up and becoming strong and important or me being dependent on God. Every time we grow and seem to defeat one of our weaknesses, it has a potential to inflate us in a way that stunts our future growth or stops us from being used from God right then, from then on, until we can wake up again. But we have to embrace our weakness to love well. A really neat teacher, Sean Bolts. He's one of the best teachers on prophecy nowadays. He's amazing. He said, "To allow myself to be seen in my weakness is a true expression of love for others." And that's that's especially if you're into Christian service. Again, sometimes I've been up here and told a a success story because I'm trying to get people excited about hearing from God and and praying for people. And I'm like, I prayed for this person at work; they got healed. That looks good, but I've prayed for people at work and they didn't get healed. And, you know, in, in telling the stories of, and I was pissy with someone in the mission that didn't deserve that, it all shows that we all can do this thing. That's one point here. One point, you know, we are all weak, but we can all do this. This is this is something God has for us. It gives us hope in the truth that God has a place and a task for each of us weaklings. If we embrace our weakness with God, we can live this song. All things sown in weakness, you raise in promise. Your beauty arches above it all. And that's what's beautiful. So our question to ourselves, our question with God. (laughs) I mean, how do you approach God in weakness right now? What's... how do you be vulnerable to god and do you or i have a something block on our eyes because of our successes are we able to love well let's say a short prayer